So I went ahead and I cut off that first episode at around an hour because there's quite a few there's quite a few things that I wanted to bring up still concerning that first childhood story and it was just going to get um it was just going to get too long if I tried to fit that end of the first episode because I want to try to keep I want to try to keep these things at around an hour around an hour maximum um so um yeah I so I had brought up um I just what I'm trying to do right now is just bring up a lot of um a lot of um different angles or ideas or ways to look at at um the story I'm and um cuz so when we get into looking in the explanations um I don't want um I don't want to discount anything and um um you know, I want I want to be able to draw from as many um, as many sources or as many as many um, ideas in order to um, in order to make in order to make the explanations make more sense. So, um, so I'm gonna bring up stuff that's re- that I feel is related to these stories. So, so even even if i uh, even if some of those things might not um completely match up when we get to the explanation you know we might have to uh might have to um you know take things here and there from different um from different places um so with the first story yeah i had brought up how i had brought up how that theme of uh of two people occupying one body or our ideas of personhood. Um, I had brought up multiple personality disorder and, uh, you know, Seth, um, Seth's idea of counterparts and, um, by location, um, soul walk-ins and walkouts. Um, and so a couple, a couple of the other things, the possibilities that went um that um entered into my thinking when trying to understand all this and analyze all this um i guess one of the one of the um funnier i guess aspects is that um he always hear uh you hear he hear funny stories about people making a deal with the devil or sell, selling their soul to the, to the devil for things. Um, and I have addressed, I've addressed that, that, um, the devil and our symbolism with the, with the devil and the gods. I've addressed that in one of my blog posts. Um, talking, uh, talking about, um, how we create devils, but, you know, when uh, when this story happened to me in childhood, like I said, I'm I don't know how old I was five, six, seven, but one of the thing one of the things um, one of the things I do remember very clearly um, from you know probably a little younger than this experience, but I remember um, I did try to make a deal with the devil when. Um, when I was, um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how old I was. I was old enough to, 
I don't even know where I got the concept from. It had to come from television or cartoons. Um, but I remember being so angry and so upset that, um, yeah, I really, I was, um, I was so angry. I was willing to, I was willing to mortgage everything, everything I had for, uh, power to change my situation. Um, so, and so, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, they could be unrelated, but they, who knows, they, they could be related, um, and so, you know, I don't want to discount anything, um, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people who, who believe, who believe that forces like that can be harnessed, and if you look at it, and if you look at it like the devil is, um, if you look at it as something that we create, then um, it's you know. So I was based. If you look at it that way, I trying to make a deal with the devil. You're basically making a deal, a deal with yourself to um, to give yourself the power that you need. So that that was one of the concepts uh, or ideas that. I, you know, haven't fully dismissed, um, you know, <laughs> some people, some people might, um, take that story and run with it, they, uh, they've seen some of the other, the other things, um, that I've done with my, uh, eyesight and my near-death experience, and they might accuse, they might accuse me of being some kind of, uh, dark sorcerer or evil, um, you know, I'm in, in league with the devil, but, you know, <laughs> while some people might see, see me or my story and come to that conclusion, I don't think that's necessarily true because, um, of course, you have the saying about, uh, from the Bible, knowing, knowing, um, being able to tell good and evil by their fruits and, you know, I've the only person I've ever experimented on or used my powers on is myself. So I, you know, uh, and so um, it's interesting. It's interesting to, um, to examine that angle. I think I think it's not just interesting. I think it's important in order to understand, you know, our concepts of gods and devils. And um, so that was another. Um, that's another aspect to the story that I think uh, will come up again in in the more recent stories. Um, when I also when I brought up um, when I brought up the different types of aliens, I I said I, I said obviously there were the grays. Some people rec uh, report um, glowing robed figures with flowing hair. Um, you also have yeah, like I said the intelligent orbs or spheres of energy but then you also have a lot of a lot of people describing italian looking um aliens um the men in black john keel talks about the mothman you have the um skinwalker ranch out in utah where there's there's all kinds of different manif manifestations uh, of um energy um, so yeah, the, the, the aliens can really, um, run the gamut. Uh, and so, 
uh, yeah, I'm not sure what 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 quite to call that story yet. Whether alien, ghost. So it's uh, you know, it's just a story. Um, another aspect I think is interesting. Um, how I brought up how my sister also had um, um, some issues with sleeping while growing up, and one of the other. Uh, um, aspects about um, alien encounters or alien abductions a lot of times a lot of times um, people report having a a history of being uh, um, abducted throughout their entire lives and not only not only being personally abducted from a young age um, but also, uh, some people report their enti- entire families were, have been, um, have been in contact since they were young. And also I've heard stories where it runs in families, where if the parents have experiences, the children will also have experiences. And so I definitely had s- stuff happen to me from my observations. My sister had stuff happen to me. She, she says, I asked her about it um, recently. I I said, you know, do you remember anything um, unusual from childhood? Because I remembered how she was always always running into my parents' room. But she, you know, she she doesn't recall anything specifically. But if you keep in mind that the you know the the aliens can um, you know shut pe- shut down people, their willpower. They can shut down automobiles. They can you know make people. Um, forget certain um certain things screen memories that are um talked about in that um that communion book i mentioned earlier a lot of times with animals screen memories with animals owls and deers so you know i had experiences i think my sister did and um i you know my parents were always kind of weird too so um (laughs) Who knows if they were born weird or they were also having experiences. Um, so um, I'm not ruling out that aspect. I think I think that's important to take into consideration at least. And um, one of the one of the other things that uh, um, passed through my mind while um, thinking about all this stuff is that. You know, with my parents being weird, um, you know, I I didn't rule out that they might have had something to do with that experiment, whether um, they were uh, conducting some type of ritual, possibly um, black magic rituals while while the children were sleeping, whether whether what I saw was um, one of their. one of their creations, or was a side a side effect of some some uh, some darker magic or some black magic um, that they were doing on their own, and how I talked about with um, with certain types of thoughts attracting similar thoughts and thought forms. So you know, if they were doing, you know, if they had any um, practice where they were where they were um, they trying to. Um, harness or um or use um some some forces like that that you know it wouldn't be too it wouldn't be too much of a stretch that uh, other similar dark forces were being attracted 
um we we also did we had a bunch of weird um weird some weird issues with our phone where we keep getting calls a lot a lot of people report that with aliens too is that they'll get um they'll get calls with hang-ups or weird messages so we did have issues with our phone um and you know uh it's not that far out there when you talk about a black magic or you know just even um suspecting or having suspicion your parents might bite be into that because not only were you know not only were my parents a little weird um but you know we um i grew up in uh clearwater florida which is um the headquarters of um the uh religion of scientology and um hub um l ron hubbard the founder of scientology his um his son um ron um ron de wolf yeah ronald de wolf hubbard's son he he died under suspicious circumstances um um I don't see I don't see anything about his death or oh, death diabetes complications but he commented to um he so the wolf claimed the wolf claimed that black magic is the inner core of Scientology um arguing my father did not worship Satan he thought he was Satan and um so hubbard had hubbard had connections to alistair crowley and also um jack parsons of uh jpl jet propulsion labs so um i that's another i'll probably have to do another episode on that because um I have actually looked a lot into Scientology. Like I said, it's you know I grew up in Clearwater, Florida, which is the headquarters of Scientology. My parents were a little weird, um, and you know there's also a couple other um, coincidences between uh, my parents and Scientology because um, my dad actually worked for the IRS as a um, a special field agent and um this was in the, um the early 70s when my when my father worked for the irs and um scientology has a long history with the irs um if you want to look into operation snow white this was um church of scientology's internal name for major criminal conspiracy during the 70s um one of the so this is this is actually pretty insane if you if you um 
if you if you look at the details of this so they they infiltrated 136 government agencies foreign embassies consulates in more than 30 countries one of the largest infiltration one of the largest it has to be the largest 5000 covert agents um that's a ma- yeah that what do you say major criminal conspiracy well and here's the thing 136 government agencies in 30 countries 5000 agents here's but here's the thing is that only only 12 people got um punished or held responsible for this um so that leaves 4,988 um, spies who uh, got away scot-free. And it's interesting to um, speculate with my, with my father who, was, um, who worked for the IRS. So, um, yeah, my father worked for the IRS in the early... He worked, I think he worked for them while this operation was going on. Um, So you got to wonder if any of those 5,000 agents, um, whether those were people who already worked for the government and Scientology was able to flip them. You know, I'm sure they had some of their own homegrown um, agents or spies, but I'm sure they did recruiting. And... um, it's also interesting is that right after this, I think this was 1974 um, or 1975. Uh, but right after that, my dad, um, my dad no longer worked for the IRS. He went into private practice, and that's when we actually moved to Clearwater, Florida. Uh, we had lived in um, Chicago when he, um, when, um, so it's strange. Yeah. During this operation, he was with the IRS. After this happened, he left. And where he went to was Clearwater, Florida, the he- the headquarters of, international headquarters of Scientology. So you got to wonder if, um, if they're recruiting people who already work for the IRS they need them to do stuff they promise them hey help us out with this operation and then afterwards come down to come down to Clearwater and we'll we'll help you set up we'll help you set up uh, um, your own private accounting business um, you know well we can promise you clients from Scientology and um yeah the other interesting there's a lot of coincidences with my family and um Scientology um one of um one of Scientology's um symbols is a pyramid um and um 
Yeah, when my dad moved to Clearwater and started his um, uh, CPA business, he um, he had a triangle on his business card. Um, so, um, so I've done a lot of um, I've done a lot of reading about um, Scientology. I might do it. Like I said, I might do I might do a separate episode on that. Um, maybe make it part of a, a larger, um, a larger episode about religion in general. Um, so, um, um, yeah, I think this, you know, I think the symbolism of that first, um, that, that first story is interesting too, um, like I said, the symbolism with the multiple multiple body or multiple people in one body, but also the the shimmering mass of uh, like indefinite or undefined mass or this you know this um, this vague um, ghostly thing. Like it, I think there's some interesting symbolism there too. So um, I think um, there was. There was one more thing about uh, um, the um, the first episode. Um, I need to regroup again. Hang on. Okay. Well, I can't remember that last thing that I wanted to say about um, the childhood story. So. I'm just going to go ahead and move forward um, to some of the other ones. And I talked about this a little bit already, how um, some of my more recent stories, they started, um, they started, they started to build on each other. After the golf fell apart, uh, there was the strange things started attracting other strange things and they started building and um there was just a whole the whole month of march was just a very strange month um in in the beginning of the month what happened was i was i was getting a lot of um I was getting a lot of synchronicities um I don't know if people are familiar with synchronicities um but it's just a um it's a, it's a a cause a causal connecting principle So this is from Carl Jung um you can find some of his um books on my website um he has a lot of academic work that's got a lot of technical jargon that's not very accessible to um the uh the majority of people but he also has um several books that are that are um that are meant for the lay person um and so those are a few of them. 
And uh, so one of his big, uh, Carl Jung's big concepts was um, this synchronicity, a a causal. So he he's saying things are connected, but it it doesn't appear that way. There doesn't, or we can't yet understand how and why they're connected, but they are connected. Um, so I was getting a lot of those a lot of those symbols that seem to be connecting with um with not a lot of rhyme or reason um conscious rhyme or reason um and so and then i was also doing a um and so in that month i was also doing a lot of uh experiments with um remote viewing which it's it's um that's a military term um remote viewing that's military jargon and um for psychic abilities uh extrasensory perception and there's also some books you can check out on that um rem- that that book, this book, Ingo Swan, he's considered the father of remote viewing. And um, what he did, he's the one that he's the one that um, designed the protocols. I think he's the one that came up with that term. Um, so Ingo Swan, he was just um, not just he was he was an artist and a psychic uh, living in New York. And, um, you know, the government got into studying him and trying to weaponize, trying to weaponize psychics. (laughs) Um, And um, so that's a real interesting area to look into. I'll probably do another episode on that, like all the other things I was talking about. Um, So during this month, yeah, I was getting a lot of synchronicities. I I was experimenting with remote viewing. I was having um I was having several uh smaller out of body experiences before I had the near death experience um later in the month um so um Robert Robert Monroe um talks a lot about uh out-of-body journeys he's got a trilogy of books um journeys out of the body far journeys and ultimate journeys he um robert monroe also he was also working with the government and the military with remote viewing like ingo swan was and there's actually there's a um there's a monroe institute in uh Virginia, I think Virginia. Um, and they and the government was so Ingo Swan came up with the protocols and then for further training the government was sending the remote viewers or psychics to the Monroe Institute where they were learning how to explore consciousness. And, um, 
So you can look into that. Mon Robert Monroe also he went to visit. He went to visit uh, Jane Roberts, the woman who channeled the um, Seth material. So you know, there's there's psychic communities just like there's communities for other um, other interests and fields. Uh, you know, you have sailing communities. So there's, and so these people, and I think that's what um, Monroe, that's what I like about, um, I think, his first book, is that when this stuff started happening to him, he was he was just as confused as as um as I felt I was and so he went looking for explanations and he was he was talking with um all kinds of people and so one of the people he went to see was Jane Roberts and um so that month yeah I was having synchronicities experimenting with remote viewing and um having some smaller out of bodies and um my near death experience actually happened it happened a week after um actually that month i had two alien encounters well the whole month was kind of weird i i was get i did get several several messages uh yeah, I don't know where they came from, but um, as far as like um, stuff that fit the textbook or fit the um, textbook, uh, what people describe with aliens, um, I had you know one of them was uh, um, so it, yeah, one of them was strictly telepathic. The the um. The um, I guess the big dramatic story with my the aliens that happened a week before my near death experience, and then I think the the telepathic incident happened. I want to say maybe a week after the near death experience. So there was like three weeks there. But at the beginning of the month, I was doing all this fringe experimentation, and so um. One of the other things I wanted to bring up um, while I'm bringing up the out-of-bodies and the remote viewing and all that stuff is um, we're talking about uh, connecting principles. A lot of um, a lot of the people um, a lot of the people associated with the remote viewing project um like I mentioned Ingo Swan um a lot of the remote viewers or psychics actually had a um they had a background of uh Scientology either um either before they started working with remote viewing or or afterwards and um yeah, Scientology has had a lot of fights going on with um with the IRS, but they also they're claiming that um 
Scientology is claiming that remote viewing and a, a lot of these psychic technologies are actually copyrighted. Scientology technology being illegally utilized by United States intelligence. And so they've filed years and years of um, legal um, legal complaints. And um, so you can look into that. Um, yeah, you have to wonder. It makes you wonder what the government's response to that um, Operation Snow White was. Because there's always going to be blowback <laughs> with um, anything, anything that's done. But especially, you're going to get blowback. I think that's actually a CIA term, blowback. Um, but, uh, yeah, what was, um, yeah, blowback, origin intelligence community, unintended consequences. So, yeah, so you have Scientology infiltrating the government, U.S. government, IRS. I think it said, what, 30? 30 countries. That's insane. But, yeah, so you got to wonder what the blowback was. What, uh, so Scientology infiltrates the government. The government is probably going to do something in return. And I think that's what this is talking about, this article. Um, I think what it's saying is that um, so Scientology infiltrated the U.S. government and then the U.S. government, specifically the NSA, I think, counter-infiltrated, stole, stole these technologies and is keeping the copyrights. Uh, you know, it's it's such a mess. Um, I guess you could go down that rabbit hole forever. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because um, there, a lot of these things are are related. Um, anyway, okay. So the other thing I did want to point out is that <coughs> well yeah so th there's a lot of uh fantastical elements to to the um stories that happened in that month of March and uh so the big dramatic one involves levitation um telepathy shape shifting i also had telepathy in um the one that happened a couple weeks later and it, if you remember all the way back to my first episode i claimed that my near death experience was um was the most incredible thing that happened to me and the reason I claimed that my near-death experience instead of um, this alien encounter where I was levitating and shape-shifting is because I'm absolutely certain that I caused or I induced the near-death experience. 
Um, and I think that's just a um, people like to feel or people people feel um, if if they're the author or the creator of it, I think they they kind of favor they favor those experiences that they created. And I don't know. I don't know exactly who was responsible for the alien um, uh, incident. It's it's possible, like I I think I mentioned before, but it's how you look at it. It's possible that whatever those forces were, they could um, they could easily be a, like a larger aspect of myself that was trying to send myself a message. Um, I'm going to analyze that a little bit after the story. So I just want I wanted to point that out. The re, the reason for why I was I was claiming the near death experience was the most incredible even though um you know levitation and shape shifting are pretty incredible as well. Um and yeah, so it's it's possible that um I was responsible or my larger self was responsible for um those experiences and i do want to get into that i do want to get into that um that um that concept or that idea about um how we could be responsible for a lot of stuff um going back to how i said you know if you have a um uh, a terrible boss or manager who tells you you know do whatever it takes an interesting way to look at that would be, you know, is that is that boss or that manager? Is that actually is that some is that someone else? Could that possibly be like a part of me that's you know testing me or giving me a message to see or you know to um, to see what I do with it? And um, um, yeah, uh, and that goes back to the um, our our ideas of personhood, like it's it's um it's possible that um you know i think seth gets in the um um it i don't know if i've done a blog post on this specifically but uh, when he when he talks about that concept of counterparts he um he brings up that um um jesus or christ uh the christ um entity or being he said he was saying that um jesus um that christ actually was he was john the baptist jesus and paul or saul of tarsus he was all three of those people at the same time because those three people's lives overlapped i think they i think in total they spanned a hundred years or so but there was also overlap there and you know, I think if I'm remembering remembering correctly, I'll have to go back and find the exact Seth um, the citation. But I th I think he was saying not only was the not only was Christ um, John the Baptist, Jesus, and Paul, but he was also the twelve disciples. I think he was saying those were fragments of the Christ personality, and so you've got and so he was saying. Christ had these 15 personalities, at least, that we know of, um, that or that Seth um, points out. So, and he, and so Christ just kind of put on this, 
really huge dramatic um, play that is still being talked about thousands of years later. So, yeah, that um, we can get deep into the um, the multiple person stuff. Um, okay, let me get let me so let me get to the story though. Um, so the the month was getting strange and. Um, so what was happening was, um, it was getting all these synchronicities, it was doing out of body remote viewing. And so, okay, so what had happened was I went over to my friend's house one night I the reason I went over there is I told you I was getting some synchronicity so uh, one of them was uh, one of them was suggesting that I uh, contact my friend and get hold, hold of him and so uh, I went over to his house the one night and We talked for a bit. I told him some of the strange stuff that was going on that month, and uh, yeah, it got it. We, you know, we talked for a little while um, about weird stuff. What I had thought at the time was weird stuff, because when I when I went to left when I went to leave, it it just uh, it went a whole another dimension of weirdness, because I went so I went out. You know, we're talking, I went out to my car, and just as I got in the driver's seat to leave, uh, I started getting a, started feeling, it started getting a strange feeling, and the way I can describe it now, after I've, I've done a lot of reading, it is what I was talking about earlier, where I felt like I lost my willpower, uh, my ability to act and to do what I wanted. At the time, I didn't know what was going on. I was I had gotten into my car and I had want and I was wanting to go home. I j- but I couldn't I couldn't uh, summon my body to uh, to um to do what I wanted. And um like I said back to the the childhood experience similar similar to that where the thoughts that went through my head when I was a child was you know I should I should yell I should I should run but I didn't do anything this this time I didn't do anything um but I, I at first I wasn't I wasn't terrified I wasn't um I wasn't scared not at first so I was just sitting there and I was wondering, okay, this is a weird feeling. And then, um, and then what happened is, um, that's when I started levitating. Um, it, so I was, uh, I was sitting in my driver's seat and something was lifting me up. It lifted me up. It was gradual. I think it brought me up. It brought me up. I think I actually hit the ceiling of the car with my head. And um, then I, you know, I came back down and I think I was just kind of hovering. 
uh, between the seat and the ceiling, which is interesting because a lot of times when people report abductions, they say they went through a window or the beam. Um, they could they could go through objects. So, you know, I wasn't aware of any of the um, alien or UFO literature when this was happening. So, uh, right now, I have the benefit of um, of a lot of um, literature and reading that I've done to help analyze it. But at the time. I had no clue, no clue. I thought I was, well, the levitation I thought was pretty darn cool <laughs> because uh, while it was happening, I was sitting in my car in front of my friend's house and I, and I looked I looked over to the house because I, I wanted to get my friend's attention and be like, dude, look, I'm, I'm levitating out here. Um, there, uh, I could, there was nothing, there was, I couldn't get anyone's attention. I looked across the street to the neighbor neighbor's house. It was it was almost eerily eerily quiet. And now, like now that I'm um, have a better um, viewpoint of it, I'm wondering if uh, you know how they can maybe how they made my sister forget stuff, or you know they can. So I'm I'm sure I'm. Sh after I described the rest of it, they who whoever it was had to have control over the entire area because. So what happened was I lost my willpower. So, uh, someone started levitating me, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." And then what happened was, I felt a beam like a beam of energy from above uh, came down, focused on my head, but. Um, it didn't not quite not like my physical skull or my body but it w it was like it, this beam was going through through my skull not into my brain but into my mind and what it what it felt like it was doing was um to me it felt like it was like collecting or gathering like my thoughts like you know um 35 years of 40 years of my um my thinking and stuff it felt like they were gathering all of that stuff um and uploading it from my mind um and wh while it was happening i remember i remember wa wondering why it was t it was taking so long um you know um, I guess probably the beam lasted for maybe somewhere around five or ten minutes because after a certain point um, this was all it was still fairly benign up to this point you know I lost my willpower I was levitating and then this beam came down and I'm you know I'm not a big privacy person uh, I, you know um, I'm pretty much an open book um, so it did you know it didn't bother me that uh, someone wanted to take a look at uh, everything I've ever thought. Um, and, um, yeah, and so I was, wonder I was wondering why it was taking so long. But then when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, well, I guess 40 years worth of stuff in five minutes. That's, that's pretty good compression technology. Um, and so um this beam i'm talking about it's not um 
I'm not the only one that has described something like that. Um, you have um, David Ick. Uh, I don't know how you say his Ike Ick. Um, he had he, this his story from Peru that he talks about um, near Lake Titicaca. He uh, he describes it as a pow- a flow of powerful energy began to go into the top of my head like a drill, and I could feel the flow going the other way up from the ground up through my feet. And so he says, and then the voice said very clearly, it will be over when you feel the rain. Um, And so this went on for, he says his feet continue to burn and vibrate for 24 hours. The, um, the actual beam, though, um, well over an hour. Okay, so I had the beam for five or ten minutes, and I didn't, I didn't feel anything in my feet because I was levitating, and it, and the beam wasn't going into. Well, it was in, it was into my head, but it felt like it was pulling stuff out. Um, this this statement, it will be over when you feel the rain. Now, I, like I'm, I brought up earlier, how I had some weird messages. I don't know where they came from. Um, I'll get back to those later, though. Um, the messages, because it didn't happen at the time. Um, so. Um, the, more with the more with the beam. This is um, actually uh, this David Ike or Ick story. He also he also talks about shape shifting shape shifting reptiles. I haven't gotten too far into his work to um, to know exactly how he came up with that theory or what exactly he means by that theory, but. My experience also had um, shape-shifting reptiles, um, but so the um, Sammy Hagar, when he was younger, I guess he had multiple. So sixty-seven, fifty-one. This is what I was getting at with people talking about having lifelong encounters. Um, so this was this was on Howard Stern. He was talking about this stuff and. So he talked about um he talked about being hooked up to something as well and he wasn't sure if it was he wasn't sure if it was uploading or downloading um information. I didn't feel like it was downloading. It kinda sounds like David I sounds like uh I don't know. Um it might have been both in but Hagar says, where does he say this? Um, 
or if they were uploading out of my head in order to see what I knew, like an experiment. Okay. Um, so I'm not, I'm by far not the only person, um, to talk about aliens or even beams into the head. By, um, and so, okay, and this is where, this is where it kind of takes really strange. If, if losing your willpower and levitating and having 40 years of your thoughts collected with an energy beam in five minutes if that's not weird enough what happened next was the shape shifting and i wasn't quite ready for i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't quite ready for what happened next because i had i i thought the encounter was over at that point i was kind of distracted i thought okay you know they they shut me down. They um, they showed me a cool trick, and they took some stuff. And I guess I can go on my way now. I can hit the road. And so I was a little distracted, waiting for them to finish. Like I said, I was a little impatient. And I'm, yeah, I think the symbolism is interesting there too. With me, with me um, wanting to know why is this taking so long? More with the time aspect, like um, the symbolism with time how um i brought up in uh in one of the blog posts about the aliens how a lot of times when people have encounters with aliens they talk about the aliens asking what time is it and i don't think they're quite asking so much as telling um giving messages about um aspects of our world and reality so there's a symbolism with with time and and so yeah i was wondering you know what's taking so long i was getting ready to, and then the next i'm still levitating you know when the beam was done i was still levitating and what what i noticed next because it kind of caught me off guard was my i noticed my body doing weird things i kind of stopped paying attention to my body a little bit i guess because I, I couldn't move it um and so well, but what i noticed next my body was kind of like it was doing stuff on its own and my and it was like what it felt like was my jaw was almost like trying to unhinge itself when when you see like when you see snakes trying to swallow or digest something large and their their jaws are unhinged that's that's what it felt like my jaw was trying to do and my and it was like my tongue my tongue was trying to get like outside my body like you know how t you know how snakes stick out their tongue i showed that article about how they they do that to get a sense of their surroundings so my jaw was trying to unhinge my tongue was was trying to get as far outside of my body as possible and um, also what was happening was, um, so this is kind of the reptilian stuff. And so, and not, not my, so this, that was my actual physical body, my jaw and my tongue, but then, but also that was my physical body. I felt like my, my energy body was also shape shifting, like the astral body or the energy body. And, 
especially around my head area. Um, it felt like my head was changing. It was changing into almost like a reptilian head or a serpent head where my where your eyes are kind of on the um, sides of your head like a bird or a fish. And so my vision was getting a little wacky. And, um, and um, you know, my head was... It was it was changing shape, but it also felt like it was getting a little bigger. And so, um, yeah, what to make of that symbolism? Because um, Ick, I I, th I think David Ike or Ick, he doesn't I, I like I said I don't know enough about his reptilian theory. I what I think I know about it is that the the reptilians are bad so um but i was a reptile in this story <laughs> well and here's what i'm here's here's one of the things i'm wondering at with the symbolism well they uploaded i felt they uploaded with the beam and i'm wondering if they took all that data or thoughts or energy um that was what they took and then um I'm wondering if then they were they were then they were gonna give me stuff. So they took stuff with the beam and then maybe they were giving me stuff. Um kinda like how he want like Hagar wondered if they were uploading or downloading. Um so maybe with me they uploaded they uploaded with the beam, but then to give me information they did it in more creative and symbolic ways. So I'm wondering if the um if the uh if me turning into the reptile was maybe they looked into my future well they so they took my thoughts you know forty years of my thoughts with the beam and then they they could they then they could also see how things how things would play out and they maybe they saw me becoming the fire snake um and um, it's possible with the levitation that they also saw that they also saw me um, looking into gravity. But that the levitation actually happened before they used the energy beam. So I don't know with that. Um, yeah, one of the other interesting things with symbolism and the reptilian that we talked about the other day. Um, with Paul the Apostle, when we when I um, was was going over his conversion experience, and I thought about this after that podcast where it said that when his vision healed, that um, where is it? Um. I can't find it now. Oh, it's not it. it. Someone must have taken it out or changed it. Interesting. But it had said, I guess I could go back to the old podcast, but it had said the scales, the scales fell out of his eyes. 
And I was wondering if that if that was symbolic. Not at the time I was kind of jokingly saying scales because we were looking at the um the snakes how how they can boost their eyesight. But I'm wondering if scales meant symbolism for like the scales fell out of Paul's eyes. Like he so he no longer like the scales of justice. Like so he was no he was no longer going to judge people because I think he, Paul was Paul was very um he was militant in his approach um zealous um and so he he attacked I think I think he was um he attacked a lot of the the Christians until until this event and um so maybe the scales falling out of his eyes meant that he was no longer gonna, he was not gonna judge, but he would, and attack people. But um, look at things without. I, so I thought that was interesting to bring up. Okay, so back back to um, what happened. Okay, so the um, yeah, I got my willpower knocked out. Started levitating. They used the beam. I turned into a reptile, and so this this distortion with my um, with my head, where I felt where my my vision was messed up, and um, felt like I had a, a serpent head. That lasted for that lasted until I drove home um, from my friend's house, which was a good couple hours later. And that kind of fits in with David Icke's story where he says, you know, still 24 hours later. So I, I was still having effects from this encounter hours later at home, um, not just with the shape-shifting, but with um, one, um, one of the other things I'll get to in a second. So they, uh, yeah. Um, so what happened after... Um, well, I, here's what I was wondering too, um, as far as the symbolism with um, the reptilian symbolism. Uh, yeah, it's, it's also possible. Uh, yeah, I was speculating. Maybe they looked into my future. Is it possible? Is it possible that um, because I couldn't because I couldn't see anything because I couldn't see who was doing this to me that that was that was my way of. Um, you know, um, like the snakes stick out their tongue to um, um, get a sense of their surroundings. Was that a way for for me to try to figure out who was doing this to me? Uh, was my astral body or my energy body was was uh, was doing the sensing or the perceiving for me because I couldn't see these um, things, and so it was. I'm wondering if it was maybe these forces were radiating a certain energy and um that was um that energy was causing me to um shift in the into something similar to what uh they were the other the other thought i had as far as the the reptilian symbolism too is so yeah from here on out it turned for me at the time it turned into like a battle it was um like a battle for my soul so I was one of the other um, speculations I had was was the, was um, 
was that me trying to um prepare or get ready for what what was to follow the uh the assault and i was calling on um you know maybe i sensed i sensed the power of what was what was um interacting with me and i was maybe i was calling on like that ancient you know the ancient dna the dinosaur dna and those memories and i was calling upon that for strength and and uh in the battle with with whatever i was about to um um interact with and that's where i was talking about that altered states um he uh in that movie they get into um they talk about shape-shifting back towards back towards uh primitive primitive man maybe i maybe i shifted all the way back past man past whatever to um ancient reptilian serpents or something i don't know uh well I, okay so yeah what happened next was the battle and how how i describe it is you know i st i'm st so i'm still there levitating but i've shifted into um some type of rep reptile serpent and what happened next was this this thing felt like it was in front of me and what it did was re it reached inside of me kind of like it did with the with the energy beam into my head but not into my brain like i said the beam went into my mind and my thoughts not not anything physical like my brain so this thing reached like inside of me but not you know to grab my uh, intestines but it grabbed my spirit and my um you know the core of me and it tried to pull it tried to pull it out pulled it up um you know i i like i said i when i was levitating i was like halfway between the driver's seat and the ceiling but it felt when this thing was pulling trying to pull my spirit out it was it was pulling like up out of the car like a good 10 10 feet or so and it felt like it felt like my spirit was just attached by like the tiniest thread and i was i was like holding on with all my all the might i could muster um and at the time i described it as agony and um because it did that once for about I want to say about 15 20 seconds and you just abs absolutely every ounce of strength I could I could um, summon to to keep some connection with my body and it did it once and then it did it and then uh, like a rotor band it kind of kind of um, the tension released and it came back but then it did it again tw two or three like so after the after the third or fourth time of this where and each time it, it went to like it pulled until there was like the tiniest tiny it felt like the tiniest thread was connecting me um and so after yeah after like the fourth time or so 
um, you know, I got, <laughs> yeah, I got the feeling that, um, actually, I, I laughed myself at the time, and, um, you know, I, I started thinking, well, you know, I guess we can do this all night. Um, I, I had resigned myself to the fact that whatever this thing was, it was just going to, it was going to torture me regardless of how I felt about it. And, um, and so, and I was thinking too, like with when I, how I commented about the beam, I was like, why, you know, why is this taking so long? Are we done yet? And I felt that same way when they were trying to, it was trying to pull, trying to pull me out. I, I got the feeling like, well, okay, you know, I felt like whatever this thing, it was way more powerful than me. If it could levitate me, if it could shift, shape shift me and it could, if it really, I'm sure if it really wanted to, it could just have ripped me entirely out. And so I don't know. I thought, yeah, I guess we can do this all night. And, um, like in a humorous way and i don't think this thing really cared because you know it did it a couple more times and yeah it was um at the time it was agony and um also at the time so when it was finished at the time i got the feeling that it might have been a little angry that it couldn't that it couldn't completely get me out so what it what it did then was it hit me with like a like a lightning bolt of energy that staggered me for hours um the ripping out with my soul that that what that didn't linger after so like that thing that would go on for like i said 15 20 seconds but but when it was over it didn't really linger um, until they did it again, but then this this lightning bolt, the quality of the pain, it was like it reverberated, um, it just, just like very similar to what um, Ike said about you know, I would burning and vibrate. I wouldn't say like actual. Um, heat burning but just energy burning just um e yeah when i show when i got back to my house a couple hours later i was i was staggered i felt like i had gotten into a fight with mike tyson or something um and um so yeah it it hit me with that lightning bolt it went it went like diagonally through my body starting from um, like my heart area, it went it went diagonally down to the right, and um, yeah, that that hurt. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, the the soul ripping hurt too, but um, and so and then I guess what what happened after that was. Um, so this is when I got one of the telepathic messages. So on on the each of my eyes. So on the one eye, at the same time, it, at the same time, it projected an image on each of my eyes. On the right eye, at the right. So this was at the same time. On the right eye, it was a symbol of like an angel. But and then on the on the left eye, 
it like it transmitted an image of a de a demon so an angel on one eye and a demon on the other and at the time how i interpreted that i thought this thing i thought this thing had evaluated or judged my soul or my spirit like you know it had looked with the beam and then it had taken a look a closer look um without the technology just kind of ripping it out and looking around and i got the feeling it didn't like what it saw so that's why it hit me with the, the lightning bolt and then and then it was saying well you're not all bad though you're got I, I that was how i interpreted it at the time um as an attack um i've come to adjust that thinking though um let me so but yeah okay so it projected these images and um so i yeah i had thought it was just the one the one thing in front of me that was doing all this stuff to me and possibly the maybe uh the beam the energy beam was coming from a ufo higher up in the in the sky but um i guess what i found out is that I was surrounded because then I started getting like like astral punches like thrown at me uh, after the thing in front of me had finished because these punches started coming from the sides and um, you know um, yeah so so you know, I I told you I felt like I had gotten in a fight with Mike Tyson. So I was trying to, so uh, somehow I summoned the energy to get home, and you know along the way they 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 got they kept throwing they kept wailing on me, you know the drive home. I didn't know if I was gonna make it. it felt like they might even been trying to um trying to get me lost, trying to um who knows um so. Yeah, and I think I'm. I think I'm. This is getting um, near the second episode. The end of the second episode. So um, let me see if I can um, summarize this at a good point where uh, we could continue in the next episode. So yeah, um, yeah. I think that's. I think that's a good way to look at it as far as like at the time I didn't have a clue um, and a lot of things were happening to me during that month that were new and strange and so this this was a new and strange and at the time I looked at it as negative I thought I thought that uh, someone was angry with me someone was trying to um, well, I also took that lightning bolt as a as a warning that you know don't say anything about this because we have the power to just just zap you. And I, I the more the more I read about this kind of stuff after the event, that is something people report with aliens where they do they do say stuff like that. Don't don't talk about this. Don't tell anyone, or else something bad will happen. But um. With those stories, what people, people who eventually do end up talking, they say that nothing, nothing actually happened to them. So, and that was, that relates to what I was 
what I was saying at the very beginning of this segment with the the friend I I told you who um, advised that I should be careful who I share this with and don't be reckless. Uh, it's a very similar type of thinking um, that that I my I myself was having at the time was I don't know if I should be talking about this or sharing this because that could be interpreted as a warning. Um, but now that I have more distance or perspective and and some um, some knowledge to to better assess. Um, I've taken, I've taken, well, at first, at first, I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to attribute to aliens. At first, I thought, I thought these were human. These were, um, like, uh, powerful, uh, dark wizards or sorcerers that were, you know, they had, um, they had grouped up, um, and attacked me for whatever reason. I, I don't know. And... You know, I'm not I'm not dismissing that either. So if if anybody thinks that this uh, humans could do this, I'm willing to listen. From my from what I can tell, th- this is not stuff that humans can do. Um, I know doc I know Doctor Stephen Greer. He does talk about where he thinks some of the abductions have been staged by our own government, and I think one of the one of the specific examples of that, there was a um, politician, an ambassador to the UN from Guam, I think. Um, I think he was the Secretary General of the of the UN. Secretary General, alien. Yeah, here it is. This was in the middle of Manhattan. Um, and that had some interesting political timing because this gentleman, um, yeah, that Dr. Stephen Greer is saying this was false flag abduction um and so yeah that uh, yeah one of the one of those books on my website talks about the event but it doesn't talk about um dr greer's um analysis um this book um i think it's in that second volume yeah if it's 1989 that story is in that book um and so uh, well okay but even if even if humans could do all that that's not that's not completely human technology they're using though that they got to be getting that technology from actual aliens, like, you know, reverse engineered. Um, like they talk about in the 
the day after Roswell. Um, and I talk about a little bit in some of my blog posts. So that was my initial thought. I was I was like, human humans are mad at me. Uh, and then, so my cha- my thinking changed to, I don't think humans can do this, not alone. So there's got to be some type of aliens involved. And so that's where my thinking went for a little while. I was still looking at it as negative, but then now I'm kind of looking at it like I was talking about earlier with, um, and I talk about in some of my, um, my blog posts about how these aliens could possibly be um, us from the um, from the future. So, not even not even from the future. It could just be a larger a larger aspect of um, of your own self. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, but okay, and then so the other, there was one more, the strictly telepathic incident. Um, well, okay, and here's why. Here's why I'm wondering. Um, yeah, I think I might cut it off here and then um, start up a new episode.